0: My earliest memory of what sex was supposed to look like was around the age of eight or nine, giggling with my brother and a friend over my parents' copy of The Joy of Sex. I remember looking at these pictures of the beardy guy and the woman in those long boots and being gobsmacked of how armpits could possibly be sexy. How about you? Where did you learn about sex and intimacy? And yeah, I realized they're not necessarily one and the same. Maybe it was movies or porn or magazines or social media and all of this can set the bar ridiculously high as to what intimacy is supposed to look and sound like. So it compresses it, simplifies it. And what if your experience doesn't look like that? Mine certainly didn't. So for much of my early adult life, sex was a performance because What was the most important thing to me was to be chosen and accepted and to be good enough, which meant that I was in my head for all of my younger sex life. I wasn't really in true intimacy because I was so self-conscious and comparing myself to my partner's previous lovers and how I stacked up and how I looked at this particular angle in this particular light. Ugh, maybe that resonates with you too. Today's guest is therapist Catherine Topham Sly, also known as the happy relationships after kids expert. And you don't need to have kids to get juice from this conversation. If your intimacy has slow faded, or you find yourself performing in the bedroom, whether that's like not being in your body and going through the motions, or whether you're so bloody exhausted and you just want to take sex off the to-do list, that's also a kind of performing, right? This episode aims to give you tools to drop into the real messiness of intimacy because it's not just about what happens between the sheets. Oh, and I'm going to share my first experience of working with a tantric expert. So if you're new here, welcome. I'm Dr. Mandy Leto, executive coach, and you're a guide in these real raw and often funny conversations for overachievers, perfectionists, and anybody who questions their good enoughness. We are reclaiming our wholeness in these raw conversations. And I'm so glad that you're here. I drop us right into the episode today around why it's so common for us to perform intimacy. Ready? let's dive in.
1: You know, we've got this porn saturated culture, we're living out our lives on social media. We're all experiencing this world where we're so often looking at ourselves from the outside in. Everything, we're doing so many things like a performance. So of course, it's going to happen to our sex lives as well. But sex, really good sex really is not a performance it's it's actually the complete opposite when we're having a good time sexually we're having an opportunity an experience where we're i say an opportunity because this is something our healing depends on us working on this on us bringing that perspective from the outside looking in into ourselves being able to be in ourselves in our bodies, noticing what we're feeling and sex is one of the great opportunities for us to practice that. And I think seeing it as a kind of practice in a similar way to how you might think about yoga or meditation can be quite a helpful way to get in touch with those possibilities and those benefits. Because it's really true, you know, when we've been shutting down our emotions for a long time, because our emotions exist physically within our bodies, that means that we've been shutting down our physical sensations. So it's really common to feel really disconnected, self-conscious, you know, on top of that thing of where the perspective is, we've also got really, really busy lives. We've got endless to-do lists. So it's so easy to get distracted And then there's the thing about feeling unattractive as well. And sometimes we can let that feeling unattractive and the feeling unattractive, sometimes it can be about physical things about comparing ourselves to others. But also it can come from that deep sense of not enoughness. You know, when I feel like I hate my body, my body is not okay. What's really going on? Is it just about that? How much deeper does it run? Is there a sense of being okay, being enough within yourself. And actually one of the great benefits of sex is how it can remind us that our bodies are not actually for display for others, for their approval, but they're for us to enjoy. And the more pleasure that we can allow ourselves to feel, the more we can get in touch with that and that love for our bodies and that love for ourselves. It's a real challenge. It's a real challenge in our culture. It's a real challenge for each of us as individuals. But I think it starts with recognizing when we're in that kind of performance mindset and challenging it within ourselves. And I think it's helpful to kind of ask the question of what sex is. You know, when, if you just ask somebody what sex or what were you taught that sex was, the first place that we go to is to just picture penis and vagina, right? That's what we think it is. And this really privileges and prioritizes the experience of people with penises. You know, our sex education is still so lacking. So I think actually it's really helpful to redefine sex. And I think thinking of sex as sharing pleasure is probably the most helpful sort of global perspective on it. Because, you know, we can think about the basics that we really should have been taught in school. We get taught that there's the penis and the vagina, like they're equivalent. But of course, it doesn't work like that. The penis is akin to the clitoris, not the vagina. You know, the vulva is a woman's pleasure center. So right from the start, we've got all these cultural messages going on. And one of them is that women are like receptacles that they're just there to receive, to give. So it's no wonder that women in particular start to look at themselves in this way of, well, what have I got to offer to the other rather than what's in it for me? What can I? How can I enjoy this body that I'm here having this experience in? And I think if we redefine sex as the time that we spend together sharing pleasure, then we have to find a way to both be present in the here and now together. And often when we've had a long experience of feeling like we're not okay, we've been avoiding that. It's hard to just be, to be present, to let another see you, but it is also the path to healing.
0: So think back to your sex education. Did you witness the school nurse putting a condom on a banana too? Now you can't unsee that image, can you? There was nothing about pleasure in sex education. There was nothing about non-hetero sex. I love this sex re-education that Catherine is giving us about how to redefine sex as time spent together sharing pleasure. Wow, mind blown. So let's go deeper into the ways in which we might be emotionally shut down and by which I mean not in our bodies, which makes intimacy impossible. Catherine, help us. What can we do? I think it's
1: helpful with all things to do with sex and intimacy, actually to kind of zoom out, to think about the bigger picture and actually to take off away from the bedroom. And I think that this is a classic example because often When we've shut down from feelings, it's because so much of what we've felt has been very painful. So we thought, I don't want to be in my body. I don't want to feel because it hurts, right? So how can I practice little bits of being in my body? And how can I do that in a really positive way? So are you letting yourself experience pleasure in your day-to-day life? Are you sharing it with your partner? Are you eating delicious food? Are you talking to each other about the highs and lows in your day are you listening to each other are you making each other laugh are you looking into each other's eyes and then getting into the real physical sensation stuff you know are you getting close to each other to breathe in to breathe in each other's scent and enjoy you know you smell so good that was what attracted me to you are you kissing are you touching are you holding each other All of these things are really important steps on the path to wanting to open up to sharing the kind of ultimate pleasure where we're naked together. But they're all really, really important ones. Because if you're not sort of meeting, paying attention to your own senses and then meeting your partner with your senses every day, being present, enjoying that presence it's a hell of a lot to ask yourself to just open up to literally letting your partner into you and to expect yourself to be able to experience that in a really pleasurable way. We have to go step by step there.
0: I love the idea of going step by step and experimenting with things that feel low risk, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and holding it lightly. And just being playful with with something and seeing what sensation it, it brings up. It reminds me when I was really in the throes of burnout and I did nutritional therapy and acupuncture and shiatsu and yoga and meditation and all of the functional medicine stuff. And there came a point where my energy was still low. And my nutritional therapist said, you and I are at the end of our Road together. There's nothing more I can do. The rest is an inside job. Mm-hmm. And I was working with a coach and she was trying really hard. She said, The final frontier is you getting out of your head because you are currently a head on legs. And the thing is, you will continue to be a performance of yourself until you can get into your body. I'm like, No problem. Give me a clipboard. Tell me what I need to do. Which is like- <laughs> bless my cotton socks. Look at me going there. But that's how that was my approach at the time. And my then coach sent me to do Tantra. Mm. And I said, no effing way. Like I <laughs> had images you're in of at the deep end, isn't it? Sting and Trudy and like orgies with baby oil and, you know, sitting across from some guy with a big erection. I, I just like, no, 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 no. I'm not going there. And I actually realized that I didn't know diddly squat about mm-hmm. Tantra because I thought it was just like group sex and baby oil and my like orgies <laughs> and stuff like that. So I found a female practitioner and we had a one-to-one session and I went in there absolutely terrified because I thought, is she going to touch my body or is she going to make me do awkward, cringy things? And like I was terrified. Put me in a room to speak to 500 executives. No problem. Me going to see this woman who we were having an energy session. I was just, I was shaking like a leaf. And I went in there and she was like super stylish. I'm like, oh, this is going to be okay. She doesn't look super woo woo. Like this was me thinking at the time she was going to play wind chimes and whale sounds and all of this. And she gave me an exercise that seemed so stupid simple. She said, for the next, I don't know, between sessions, which was about a month, she said, I want you to shake your hips for 15 minutes every morning, play all sorts of different music, no music, whatever lights you up. I'm like, no problem. I can do that. And it sounded so stupid, simple, but it actually turned out to be all of a sudden I thought, give me the Gorgie with the baby oil and the Sting and Trudy <laughs> any day compared to this. Cause it brought up so much stuff. I played all the different like R&B rhythms and Shakira and everything. Like I started grinding my first days, like no problem, tick, 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 tick it off my list. About five or six days into that exercise, all of a sudden, all sorts of old, jagged, ancient feelings of hurt. And when I was abused once sexually at the age of 12 and you know horrible relationship stuff that i hadn't thought about in years like all that stuff started coming up and then when i told my tantric practitioner about this she's like the the hips are like the junk drawer hmm. of our lives like we store stuff there and I, it just didn't make sense to me like we don't have a brain in the hips like where does where do we actually physic she's like, okay, don't take it so literally. Like, This is the thing with academic peoples. You know, we mm-hmm. take it very literally sometimes. <laughs> but that starting to get into my body in what felt like a low stakes way. And she then helped me to allow those feelings to come up. And there were days, most days after day four, I hated that practice. I dreaded it. But it allowed, it was kind of like allowing the steam out of the pressure cooker that I didn't even know needed releasing. Mm -hmm. And that felt like one of those, those ways of being connected to my body that it wasn't always pleasant. Sometimes it was like getting a real good, sexy groove on and I'm stirring the porridge, you know, to Prince or something like that. It felt Mm -hmm. good, but some days it really didn't feel good. And, what she helped me to realize was that it was safe to allow those feelings to come out. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then when I shared that with my husband, we got to have some really deep conversations about things I had never talked about because I had just like pushed them down into some deep, dark place that I didn't even feel like I had access to. And it was just amazing how something embodied made me kind of reconnect with some of those parts of myself, even though it was really, really uncomfortable.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, That spontaneously came up. I don't know where you want to go from here. Do you have any observations, comments on that? Mm, It's so interesting to hear that. And
1: I'm just thinking about how often we try to avoid being in our bodies when we think that it's going to be uncomfortable, when it's going to bring something up. And also when we have this idea of sex as a performance, how, how far that is from that experience that you just described, that actually it's really, really normal for sex to bring up lots of emotional stuff. You were talking about connection before, and I was just thinking about how normal it is for connection to feel scary, even terrifying sometimes because when we open ourselves up to being seen we risk being rejected and this impacts us on such a deep level because we know that fundamentally we need each other for survival so if we get rejected there's this possibility that we're going to get abandoned and on some deep level ultimately we feel like we're going to die if we get rejected so It's really natural to have all of these mixed feelings to really crave that deep connection, but to also be terrified of it and to feel the risk in it. And it's natural to want to do things that feel pleasurable, but also to be scared to get into our bodies, because we don't always know when it's going to bring up pleasure, when it's going to bring up discomfort, when it's going to bring up memories that were hidden, being in touch with ourselves in that way. All of that I suppose I just want to really normalize it because so often when things are difficult like that, when we're scared, when we're hurting, we go to a place of thinking, maybe it's just me, maybe there's something wrong with me. And it's not, you know, sex, people talk about sex being messy and you sometimes think that they they mean it in quite a literal way, which obviously it can be. (laughs) But of course, (laughs) it's messy emotionally as well it brings things up you know lots of women find that when they have an orgasm they burst into tears that's that's quite a commonly reported thing we when we're getting in touch with our bodies we're we're facing things and like I say that is where there's potential for healing that's where there's potential for connection it also takes a lot of courage to go there
0: oh my goodness it does take a lot of courage to go there into healing into feeling allowing yourself to really be in your body willing to receive and give non-performatively that means willing to show up and that's vulnerable i love Catherine's invitation to see sex as a way of practicing healing and self-knowing the way that we might think about yoga or meditation that was a major aha moment for me today it can also explain why sex can bring up all the shit that needs to be healed, right? So, intimacy is really about cultivating authentic connection with ourselves, first and foremost. And that's risky too, but it's also full of potential for the most deep, delectable, finger licking intimacy of your life. And sex is part of that. Before we drop back into the conversation, I want to talk about a few other things that might get in the way of cultivating more intimacy in your life. Maybe there's self-rejection and this can be a way of inoculating yourself against potential hurt. So say if I pre-reject myself by believing that I'm not good in bed or not sexy or too old or too whatever fill in the blank, then it won't hurt as much if someone rejects me or thinks that or says that because I've already pre-rejected myself in that way. And then there's the chronic busyness and exhaustion element that tampers with frequency of touch and sex and intimacy, right? Maybe a dry January, if you know what I'm saying, has turned into a much longer intimacy drought. So Catherine, can you give us some ideas, erm, on how we can dust off the cobwebs without falling into performing intimacy like some box-ticking exercise? There's this side of performing too. So what can we try?
1: I think one of the most powerful things that you can do is to start to talk to your partner about some of this and it might just be just a little bit you know you might need to take it gently but to start to talk to them about some of the thoughts that you've been having some of the changes that you want to make and then I suppose to think about how how you approach the whole idea of sex? Because sometimes we think that it needs to be this thing, like right, that's it. We're going to have sex tonight. We better get in bed and get on with it. And I think um talking to your partner about how you approach that, whether you can kind of think of it as like inviting to spend a bit, inviting each other to spend a bit of time together. You know, to to be physically and emotionally present. So maybe get in bed together, take your clothes off if it feels comfortable, but focus on actually just being together, you know, having a little chat, noticing what's going on for you with your your physical sensations, you know, your, um, your senses, what you can smell, what you can taste, what you can hear, all of that, and then just noticing what your body wants. So maybe that's the conversation that you can have with your partner about, how about we just lie together and just see what comes up and do you want to be held do you want to be touched where do you want that how do you want it you know could we start just having a conversation on those terms and and really slowing things down and the, the thing about rejection i love the way you describe it like a kind of self rejection it's like a kind of protecting ourselves against there being some kind of rejection or things breaking down by just not even going there The trouble with that is that we then just don't even have the opportunity to get started. And for lots of people, especially women, and especially people who have had the kinds of experiences that we've been talking about that have led to feeling not enough, it takes time. And there's a need to feel relaxed, comfortable, to feel desired in order for arousal to build. And when we're having this kind of performative approach, we're going straight to the thing of what does my partner want from me and giving to them. And then it's really, really difficult. It it often just doesn't even happen the process that you need in order to really enjoy it. So you don't even get the opportunity to find out how good it can be because you're so focused on giving them what they want that you don't have time to get in touch with your desires, to feel your arousal build, to focus on pleasure. So really slowing the whole thing down a lot, I think, could be really, really powerful.
0: I'm curious what happens when there's a life transition, like having kids or reaching menopause. In these situations, there are so many changes, mental, physical, emotional. You may not even recognize yourself. So how do we stay connected with our partners when we are reeling with a big life change?
1: I think communicating about it is really important, you know, to focus on staying connected by talking and touching and to be clear with your partner about what you want and what you need. You know, sometimes the conversation might be, you know, this is weird, isn't it? Our sex life is changing and I I don't feel so connected to you when we don't do it. I miss it when we feel closer, but also it feels different to me at the moment. You know, being able to speak about that stuff more explicitly can really help because when we don't when there's unsaid the the stuff that goes along unsaid in our relationships often has so much more impact than when we just let it out in the open because you know how it is when there's silence around things we often assume the worst and we often assume that it's about us so you've got two partners who aren't talking to each other are often thinking Do they not want me anymore? Do they not want me physically? Or is it bigger than that? What's going on here? And I think at at times like that, it can be helpful to just let go of questions about if you're doing it, how often you're doing it, how often everyone else is doing it, if it's okay that the frequency has dropped. And just focus on the frequency of intimacy. You know, how often do you have a decent conversation, a cuddle, quality time together? And the thing about menopause is that it's, it's such a, a powerful time because of how women going through this phase of life just don't have the patience for any of the crap anymore. They so often get so much more in touch with how they actually feel and what they really want. And that can be quite painful. You can, you know, things that you've been pushing down and ignoring and finding a way to not face for a long time, you actually just can't anymore often. But there's so much potential in that, then that if you're willing to be honest with each other to, you know, maybe work through some of your past hurts, some resentments that have built up, um, then you can kind of find a new connection on the other side. But it needs to be really authentic, doesn't it?
0: I love that you talk about the upsides of this and just a line has suddenly been, I feel that having come to my 50th birthday last year, it's just like, I'm not prepared to be available for things that make me feel like shit. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer available for pushing down my own needs. I feel much more empowered to ask for what I want. I feel much more grounded in my imperfect body. And I also understand that it is a marvelous piece of technology and that it it has so much pleasure on tap and that I just feel really juicy at this stage of my mm-hmm. life too so there's of course there's a lot of downsides and a lot of changes but you know what there always is mm-hmm. no matter where we are in our lives so being able to be at this stage and to look at those changes positively and to deepen into intimacy and to realize that sexuality is just a part of intimacy, that's how, I don't, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's mm-hmm, how I yeah, look at it. Sure. And it's, there's so much more to, you know, to permissioning ourselves to actually receive mm-hmm. and feeling worthy of receiving and feeling that there's not a certain set of criteria that needs to be reached boxes that I need to tick so that I can receive and that I'll be good enough to receive. There's an understanding and and a softening and a tenderness and a self-awareness. Maybe I'm a sample study of one, but that's what I'm finding is that Mm -hmm. I'm holding things so much more lightly. And the ability to permission myself to feel pleasure and to seek pleasure And that's not only in bed, but it's also eating the ice cream without feeling guilty, putting on the silk blouse because it feels beautiful on my skin instead of like the scratchy sweatshirt, which would be great. Cause I, I mean, what the hell I'm just going for a dog walk anyway. So who's going to see me, but it's really about all of a sudden I feel like I'm in the equation like, Ooh. This is not just a performance for someone else. I am an active participant of this. And I realize now that my pleasure also ignites my partner's pleasure, Mm -hmm.
1: which is a
0: beautiful realization.
1: Definitely. And when it's really up to each of us to take responsibility for our own pleasure, we have to work out what we want and need and communicate it to our partners. They can't know they're not mind readers. And it's, important what you just said there about feeling worthy. And if we wait until we feel worthy to feel pleasure, the time might never come. Whereas if you treat yourself like somebody who is worthy of pleasure, then you might start to believe it.
0: This has been such a beautiful conversation, and I know it will land with listeners. And I ask every guest to leave a brick of wisdom, something that you want to share with somebody listening right now who has been moved by what you say what would you want to leave them with I think
1: as with with sex as with all things it all ultimately comes back to your relationship with yourself and that that's the place to look and that really compassion is the most important thing that if you're struggling with all of the things we've been able to talk about today, whether you're, you know, struggling with being in your body, feeling your feelings, feeling, you know, your emotions and the physical sensations, opening up to connection, being present with yourself, being present with your partner, any of that, that that doesn't mean that you're failing that means that you're having a difficult human experience and that you deserve compassion and that when you're compassionate with yourself that's when things actually start to free up and you find the potential there within yourself
0: this episode's really got me thinking about all the ways in which perfectionists and overachievers perform in life and all those drivers underneath that make the performance of the thing, sexuality or intimacy or whatever, and how that performance is perceived as more important than your own experience of the sex or of the intimacy or whatever. So I'm starting to pay more attention to all the places in which I might still be performing, while giving so much darn compassion to that part of me that's terrified of being rejected or not being enough. So in the spirit of honoring mess and imperfection as a portal to the intimacy of daily living, I want to take you behind the curtain to a blooper reel that ended up on the cutting room floor in my conversation with Catherine. So I'm in the midst of sharing something super duper vulnerable and here we go. The neighbors start using a massive power drill, and then the doorbell goes, and then my toy poodle Herbie, whoo, he goes off on one. So here, please enjoy this moment of imperfection. For their own personal sense of safety, they found ways to disconnect from feelings. Um, they've lost touch with their own physical, oh, oh, the doorbell thing. Anyway. <laughs> And you know what? I'd never met Catherine in real life before and somehow those funny little interruptions brought some real humanity and intimacy to the beginning of our conversation. So maybe that's what made me feel safe enough to share that tantra story that I'd never talked about before. Here's to imperfection as a portal to intimacy and less performing. Before I go, one request. Who in your life needs this episode? Please keep sharing and keep the Apple podcast reviews coming. It only takes a few minutes and it makes such a big difference to the podcast. So thank you again for listening. And let's do this all again in two weeks.